This is Ann Arbor Stories. I'm Rich Reddy. And now, ladies and gentlemen, the Marching Men of Michigan. This was the standard intro for the University of Michigan marching band back in the day. Drums booming, horns blowing, piccolos piccoloing, marching onto the field before football games and at halftime. The Michigan Marching Band gave its first public performance in 1897 and stepped on the football field for the first time in 1898. You've probably heard of them. The band named its first official drum major in 1914 at the outset of World War I. He was a military school graduate and saxophone player from Portland, Oregon named George Olson. Olson had experience leading drum and bugle bands and used those skills to drill the Michigan marching band nightly, turn them into a well-oiled machine. When Olson led the band onto Ferry Field for the first game of the year, the crowd went wild. Who was this man leading the band, dressed differently than the rest, twirling this giant baton? Caught up in the excitement of it all, Olson tossed that baton over the crossbar of the field goal uprights, caught it in stride, and inadvertently created a new marching band tradition. Olson and every drum major since has been tasked with leading the band in practice and on the field. Through verbal cues, hand gestures, and use of a whistle, the drum major works with the band director to keep the group's rhythm and timing, keeping things structured and organized. Over the years, drum majors have added more traditions alongside the baton toss, such as high-stepping through the formation and a crowd-pleasing backbend at the beginning of the pregame performance. The backbend is the highlight of the drum major's performance, where the drum major plants their feet on the 20-yard line, leans back, and touches the turf with the big maize feather affixed to the top of their puffy white drum major hat. The real show-offs remove the hat, tuck it under their arm, and touch the turf with their bare heads. Drum major is a physical job, a high-profile job, the perfect job for a man. Women had no place in the Michigan marching band until 1972, not even during World War II when the band had slim pickings when it came to male euphonium players. By the late 1960s, the all-male status of the band was even a badge of honor among some. But times change. On campus, women were, shockingly, asking for equal rights. The dean of the music department dropped the all-male status of the band in 1971, but nobody really found out about the change until tryouts were over. It would be a year before the first Michigan women would have a chance to make the squad. Band director George Cavender didn't think women could handle the strenuous physical effort required of Michigan marching band members. It was too strenuous, a more violent activity than would be proper for a lady. It would be too hard. Women couldn't be expected to be excused from rehearsals if they had female problems. Girls should be interested in dolls and Girl Scouts and other activities. Why bother with the rough and rugged world of college marching bands? Women on campus thought otherwise, and made a big push to join the band in the summer of 1972. Many tried out, ten made the final cut. They fought through the intense heat of summer practices, just like the rest of the men in the band, and no one quit. 
By the opening game on September 16th, more than 70,000 fans in Michigan Stadium watched the first women in the history of the Michigan marching band take the field. Kavanagh wasn't happy about having women in the band. He expressed his displeasure in the halftime performance. The band opened with There is Nothing Like a Dame from South Pacific. It includes the lines, There ain't a thing that's wrong with any man here that can't be cured by putting him near a girly, womanly, female, feminine dame. Then they got less subtle. The band struck up the stripper. Yup, that song. That one. The band formed the shape of a woman wearing a skirt while the stadium announcer yelled to the crowd. All those in favor of raising the 1972 skirt length higher say aye. And the crowd yelled aye. The band yelled higher and slowly, slowly, they shifted formation, making the skirt rise higher and higher. The stadium announcer broke in in falsetto. Wait a minute. There'll be no exploitation of sex on the football field. Let's lower that skirt, boys. Classic Cavender humor, one of the female clarinet players said afterwards. The ten women stuck it out, rubbed it in the face of George Cavender. Even more women tried out the next year. 38 were accepted, more the following year, and the next, until women joining the band was no longer something to remark on. But women are still fighting for equal footing on two fronts. In more than 100 years, a woman has never held the position of director of the Michigan Marching Band. The next highest profile position, drum major, has only twice been filled by a woman. The trailblazer was Greenville, Michigan native Karen England, who served as drum major in 2001. She had one chance to lead the team onto the field before the 9-11 attacks. Her second time at the head of the band was during an emotional September 22nd pregame performance. You could hardly hear the band over the roar of the crowd when England touched the turf with her hat during the backbend. Fifteen years later, Ann Arbor saw the second woman ever to wear the big white hat with the fluffy maize feather. In 2016, Hillsdale, Michigan native McKenna Thayer led the band onto the field. The physicality wasn't a problem. Thayer played volleyball, ran track, and was her high school band's drum major for three years. At Michigan, where band members compete each week to see who gets to play on the field, she marched in every game her sophomore and junior years, playing alto sax. She auditioned twice for the role of drum major, earning it her senior year. MLive interviewed Thayer before her big debut, and she downplayed the significance of being only the second female drum major in Michigan marching band history. When she led the band out of the tunnel and onto the field for the opener against Hawaii, Thayer executed the baton toss flawlessly, kicked the clouds with her high step, and at the end of the M fanfare, nailed her backbend on the 20-yard line. Removing her big white hat, tucking it under her arm, and touching the turf with her head. Take that, Cavender.
Ann Arbor Stories is presented by Rumble Pack Media in partnership with the Ann Arbor District Library. This episode was written and read and sung by me, Rich Reddy, with recording and sound production by Brian Peters. Thanks, as always, to the Ann Arbor District Library and their amazing archive staff who continue to help us locate and research these stories. Please follow us on Twitter at Ann Arbor Stories or drop us a line at Ann Arbor Stories at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you thought of this episode or any of the previous stories we've told. Thanks again for listening. Oh.